Hello, welcome to this um, edition of Daniel Veon's views of wrestling, TV shows, sports, and movies. Okay, last time I did an episode, I spoke about Monday Night Raw, and I spoke about the Looney Tunes. Well, I want to continue my discussion of... Raw vs. Nitro. October 30th was the night after Halloween Havoc. I know I have it here somewhere. On, uh... On the internet. Yeah. Now I have the the ratings here somewhere on Wikipedia. Now I got it. All the way at the bottom. October 30th, 1995. Nitro won by a .2 rating. 2.3. And we talk about it. We talk about the two shows like I usually do. And thank you to people who listen. Not only is it fun... It's encouraging at the same time. Now, if anybody out there is thinking, don't you want to be a little different from time to time? Well, I will be different. I'm just trying to think. What would be the best way to be different? So... As I'm looking for Nitro's episode, because even though I just saw it, I gotta make sh- I gotta look at it. I gotta start from the night after. I'm gonna be talking about two two Nitro episodes in this episode. In this episode. So start with the night after Halloween Abbey. I don't know why, but even though both Nitro and Raw acknowledge it as Halloween, um, I don't know why, but unlike Raw, who had people dress up to celebrate it, Nitro didn't do that. And I was kind of curious as to why. But what was really interesting, uh, to anybody who's watched Halloween Havoc, or watched it for the first time, that is, and heard about it on either 83 Weeks or, um, I think 83 Weeks is, um, the only podcast out there when you talk about WCW. I don't, I think Tony Schiavone, I don't think Tony Schiavone spoke about it yet. So recently, 80, they did it in 83 Weeks, edition back in October of last year. So I should have said last year instead of recently. Sorry about that. So every anybody that's watched it knows that um Sting turned Sting went against as I just shared this the other night. Don't anybody that's heard my recent episode knows about the outcome of the matches on Nitro. So, what was really going to be interesting was how the show was going to start off like 
how are they going to address the internet of Halloween Havoc? And I was really, you know, and I've seen this for so long that I actually um, forgot, I actually forgot about this, what happened in this episode. Both of the episodes I saw tonight. Let's see. Like, they did not talk about what happened specifically. They didn't show what happened, but they did say it was a big shot. said it was a big shock in the main event. They said they would bring it as soon as footage was available. He said that picture or video is going to speak values. And they go to the main, to the First match with Sergeant Craig Pittman against Eddie Guerrero. Eddie Guerrero, I think, came off the middle rope with a, with a roll-up. And at first he was using his, his hand as leverage against the mat. Then he took both legs with his, both of his arms to get the pinfall victory. By the way, the finisher that um, Sergeant Craig, not the finisher that um, Dax Swagger used in used to use was a of course uh, Gut Rich Powerbomb. That finisher was uh, originated by Terry Taylor. While Sergeant Craig Pittman did a version of it on Eddie Guerrero, and I was really impressed by that because. Up to that point, the most I saw Sergeant Craig Pittman do was the Code Red. It's almost like a cross arm breaker. It's not really a cross arm breaker, but that's what they call it today. It's more like an arm bar. The first match is Goldust beating Sabio Vega. I think this might have been his first, yeah. This was definitely Goldust's first ever match on Raw. Um, and they had a uh, first segment of the night was Michael Hayes as Doc Hendricks. He dressed himself in orange paint and black paint. By the way, staying with somebody helped a lot, so I I don't want to sound ridiculous, but it almost sounds like you drew inspiration from Sting right here <laughs> in how to dress up. Because outside of face paint, he was dressed in regular coat, blue shirt, so he had a regular suit on. Let's see... According to the, um, was capturing what he had to say. Yeah, he was talking about the main event at Survivor Series, and the advertisement was Nelson Bradley's Karate Fighters. And I didn't realize it before, but they had a, a blue couch right there. They used to have, naturally, uh, a certain segment in those days where people would just plug or promote um, WWF merchandise. Like you had two, uh, like you had two superstar, um, it's been so long, I don't even know what they used to call them before they made bad ads. Oh, I know it's made out of cardboard, and it's in the likeness of Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels. Then, right in front of it is a blue couch that Michael, that uh, Hendricks was sitting in. So, oh, I didn't even know this. Diesel and Bret. 
these, so when it gets red heart twice, and um, before this, and both times, outside interference was caused by outside interference, the match ending. So that's why they had no time limits and no disqualification added. So because of these souls size, that's what made this look like it was more of an advantage for these souls and Bret Hart. So they actually, it, a lot of Raw was kind of boring, and I hate to say that because I love the entering aspect more than anything, but it's not really the matches, it's the storyline in between the matches that made it hard to watch. So this, so this was, this really helped the show a lot in the early part of the, uh, the competition with Money Nitro. And there will also be no timeout. I don't know why they added no timeout, but anyway. He said, what is that? What is that up to? Means we've got to have a winner. He said his only question is, where will the loyalties of the fans lie? And because at the time, they both were two of the most popular stars of all time of the company. Middle of that, by the way, they were going to have an intercontinental title match between winner of the Battle Royal the week before Owen Hart and the new champion, Razor Ramon. There was some type of promotion in the back, in the locker room. They showed a picture promoting the main event and it or the title showed it had something to do with Razor and Owen. And here's Razor talking to the kid, one, two, three kid. And the one, two, three kid's got to calm him down. He said, we could have done it right here and now. And so he spends the whole commercial break trying to calm him down. That's happening before they get the commercial break. They they air a commercial um, showing everybody oh there's a commercial I thought this was supposed to be for next week's Raw but no a commercial for karate fighters Elton Bradley's karate fighters where Barry Horowitz and Hakushi face each other in, in the karate fighters I think, uh, I actually have to see this to know for sure one. Yeah, Kushi lost. So he accepted graciously, showed her slow motion replay of it. Then Kushi Challenge them to two out of three, uh, two out of three shot, and he said okay. So he has got it. So he started, and then it went back to the ringside. Marty Janetti um, beat Joe Morgan next. I believe he beat him at the top rope. Uh, fish drop. Yeah, fish drop two, three. You can hook the leg to secure the victory. Then, when that happened, That was happening first, the pinfall victory for Eddie Guerrero, of course. Showed a replay of it. Promoted the next match with Shark versus 
Earthquake, that ended the double count out. While that was happening, there was one part of the arena where Bobby Heenan was sitting out talking Sonny Ono. Drinking champagne with him, possibly eating, something clear they had by him. Doing some definitely some in, definitely some interesting uh, segments for Nitro. He showed a picture what happened with and Sting and Ric Flair's match against Arn Anderson, Brian Pillman. Ric Flair came out with the tape and both his forehead and the, his left uh, cheek above it, his uh, temple, temple of his uh, head. So let's see. Okay, he showed another scene where he looked like he wanted in there. Show that he was about to get the tag right here. And the next picture was double team from Arn and Rick and then Arn holding Sting up for Rick Flair to pound on him with some rights and lefts. <clears throat> Showing two different sides, two different angles they show it. They show him tearing it off. Slowly tearing it off, by the way, and in this angle of the of the picture. Okay, I call it tearing off. They said he peeled it off. Probably peeled is a better word for it. a picture of him with a microphone there they bring him out and the real selling point right here was Orn Anderson saying that anytime you go around any of the fans they would automatically want to know when they're going to put the horseman back together and the first thing they would say that's the first thing they would ask him when are you going to put this, the four horses, back together? And he would put the four to uh, four sign up and said, we can put this back together. And after a few minutes, he said, we, we find ourselves going back to that familiar crown. Soon, we, soon we'll have four, and you know what that means. And then he said to Sting, you got nothing to be ashamed of. You lasted ten minutes with us. You were more man than we thought. He said, and so I don't really remember what Rick Flair said to end the, to end the promo. But being that Raw was pre-taped, that's probably why they had promo of all three men. Because they figured it would help with their ratings. This is what Ric Flair said to Sting. His problem was that they told him what he wanted to hear, and he believed them. 
said we're going to do what we want to do. We don't like it. Friends don't like it. It's Sunday night on Nitro. Horseman will be in town ready. And telling him they're they're not afraid they'll they're not afraid of him or his friends because they're ready for him. So the next match, Sabu versus Disco Inferno. He won with a I'm not really sure how did a thing jumped oh Sabu jumped over the the in the he was in the apron. Over the ropes into a leg drop, connected the leg drop, and he got the pinfall. And had Disco Inferno not moved out of the way when he was on top of the table, Sabu might have gotten uh, he might they might have reversed the decision if it wasn't for him moving out of the way, because Sabu was gonna do my. Ray is gonna do like a uh, kind of find where he okay got the table out um like after a while of writing on a notebook my hands get uh and start to cramp so that's why I, that's why I have to look back at the videos because I somehow my hands cramp. I want to see what he goes for. I know it's a suicide dive. Oh, I just dropped his head right there. It's almost like a senton onto the table. I'm actually surprised it didn't break, but because it broke in half when he clotheslined Alex right through it. So that part's a surprise for me. So when that was happening, happening before they even got to the third part. Cornet was whining about how the stipulation that there was in in uh what the technicality and the stipulation of Inner House's main event was that okay Diesel won the match. No, Diesel kept the title, but he won the match by disqualification. Because of the technicality of the stipulation, Cornette said that Bulldog should be champion. Going against, um, Brett. Going against brother in law, Brett Hart. Well, what's perfect about that? That's a perfect uh, situation for Bulldog to be in because his manager is Jim Cornette, one of the greatest managers in the history of the business. It made him great. Because anybody who's seen Jim Cornette's uh, managing is that he's is that he's the type of person he wants. Just, um, just to get the crowd to want to see his men have what they don't deserve and he claims they deserve. So he said, he said that he was backtracking, um, that he was trying to go back on his word, but it's not what he did. His word was whoever won the match. But there's always that technicality, so Katie's technicality in a title match because automatically the people who get disqualified don't win the title. 
traditionally. <clears throat> but what was great was him using a lawyer to get what he wanted. And somehow he thought he was, somehow Bulldog thought that he was a better wrestler than Mario Gennetti. So he said, you're not in the same class or the same caliber as me. Then he, uh, he was threatening him. Said he's gonna drop him. And he ended up not just take, not just drop kicking Bulldog and hitting Cornette. He even uh, hit Cornette with an elbow, corkscrew elbow, as a matter of fact. And there was the lawyer standing there, and he's, he was like, just hold on. Clarence Mason was like, hold on. be like this, come on, I need your help. Turns around. He scared Clarence Mason so much, Clarence Mason put his head in between the ropes. <laughs> that was funny. Offer Marty just to walk away to show, show that he's got nothing. <laughs> okay, next match was a tag team match. Smoking Guns. Not sure who they're going against. Um, Apollo. That's the only name I can see. Got something. Next match was Lex Luger and Ming against American Males. Ming got in there on Jimmy Hart. Um, had climbed up on the apron on the ropes to distract the referee. I think it was Nick Patrick. Ming got in there, super kicked Scotty Rigg. Then he kicks um, Marcus Bagwell in the back of the neck. Leads to Luger, pick him up by the head, hopping up to his feet. They put him up on his shoulders from the torture rack to get the win. That was the final match for Nitro. Guns. The uh, Otis Apollo and Scott. Scott Demore. No wonder he looked familiar. See, one of the two quote bookers running Impact Wrestling now was. In the was in this tag team match at, as Otis Apollo's uh, partner, Scott Zamora, lost to uh, Smoking Guns. Sidewalk slam, top rope leg drop combination. In the middle of this match, or after the match, three count coming. One, two, three. Kid said he was sorry for how you acted, and he said, 
Valor Champions. Yeah, I thank y'all or y'all put up those titles up against us really soon. Then Razor Ramon kept the Intercontinental title by disqualification when his when Yokozuna came out, former tag team partner of Owen Hart, by the way, hits uh, Razor with the clothesline, then with the leg drop. Only person that could help uh, Razor Ramon was, I believe, um, Ahmed Johnson hit him with a hit Yokozuna with the power with the body slam. <clears throat> and when Davy Boy Smith couldn't pick up on him, he just stood there not knowing what to do and that's how the yep, that's how it went off the air. Before I talk about Raw from uh, the next week, let me uh, talk about how Nitro ended. Because of WrestleMania's sponsor being Snickers again, recently they've been showing the new almond Snickers peanut butter uh, candy bar commercial. Where this guy was supposed to be in stockings, let me state that, supposed to wear stockings that cover your identity. But what does he do? He wears the one with that has a net on it, and you can see who he. You can see exactly what he looks like. Hilarious! His high school um, teacher noticed him from across the street on the sidewalk. Skipping a little bit by fast forwarding um, on Nitro, Eric Bischoff was telling everybody, was asking, was telling everybody who was trick or treating to be uh, careful on the streets. There was one object on the table that said trick or treat. So he asked Eric and Bobby, trick or treat? He said, on behalf of our sponsor, that <laughs> at the end he took some silly string and he sprayed it at Bobby. I mean, uh, Stephen Wackel did. Some of it fell on, uh, Bishop's uh, wrist. <laughs> they didn't pull it off. Now they're about to show the footage from uh, Halloween Havoc. That's supposed to be surprising. Uh, the show Hogan running across against the ropes to do is finish with a leg drop. He's doing that. Jimmy Hart getting up on the apron with the title. At the same time he hits the job with the leg drop, Jimmy Hart hits uh, Randy Anderson, the referee, look like in the back of the neck and in the back of the head at the same time with the title. He gets out, he gets off right away, so Hogan won't suspect him. And he looks around and he's like, what happened? 
He got up there, got in the ring, and he was like, I don't know what happened. Then the giant pretended to still be out. He put his head back. He turned around. Jimmy Hart pushed the referee down. Took the title. Boom. Right over Hogan's back. Bad sell job. Hogan stood up like it didn't affect him after falling down. Then comes. Puts him in a bear hug. Then out came Lex Luger. The Yeti. Randy Savage. Luger beat up. On Randy Savage. After the Yeti and the Giant beat up on Hogan, Luger put Hogan in the torture rack, and then they start. Then they bring them out there. Tony Schiavone does ask them why why he did that, and he said, hey, "There's only one manager, Kevin Sullivan ever had. That was me." So Hogan, when he said, "Talking to living in your house," he was talking about me. He said, maybe I'll explain it next week why I turned on the immortal Hulk Hogan. said, he might even, he said, I might even put it in my new book. And he said that Solomon may be his past, but his future he could see as the giant and Lex Luger. And I really be curious to know what he th- how, what he thinks of not just Lex Luger's uh, career altogether, but what he thinks of the big show Big Show's progression from the giant to becoming the Big Show. I'd be curious to know what he thought of that. They even asked Lex Luger about this, and he said, what an evening that was. He's referring to the vision of Hulk Hogan laying um, on the on the mat. The Macho Man Randy Savage laying next to him. Calling it a crumpled, pathetic heap. And then he called it a pile of garbage said, you called me a little dog, a vulture, we got a piece of the total package, got a piece for the giant, and he's got your belt. He said, that's what it's all about. He said, you say what you may, do what you will, but nobody's, giant says this, nobody's gonna knock this giant off the hill. So he said, he promised to defend the title next week on Monday Nitro. And what I still can't get over who they got to be the opponent. And next week's Nitro is going to be interactive. That's the best part of the, uh, that was the best part of this next episode of Raw. They did hotline numbers back in those days, left and right, but what was great about WCW was the, so a lot of times they were interactive with it, but most of the time, their hotline numbers were just to share inside scoop on things that you might not have heard of, unless, of course... You, unless, of course, it was something that happened in the WWF that, that they wanted to expose. 
So that was that was what was interesting about the hotline number for WCW. What was interesting about the hotline number for WWF was using it to ask the fans what they thought about things that are happening in society, like the O.J. Simpson trial. First match was Cobra losing to the Giant for the heavyweight title. And I think they said 10 seconds or 5 seconds. Well, that happened. Um... British Bulldog beat Marty Jannetty. Believe with the running power slam. What's interesting was instead of hooking the normal leg, which is the left leg, he he hooked the right leg, and that's very unusual. But being that the power slam was his finisher, that's why he could do that, because there was no way anybody was going to kick out of it. Or at least that was the perception at the time. Okay. And they actually got a, a Bill Clinton lookalike to come and say he was going to be at this Survivor Series. And speaking of the Survivor Series, they, they announced that Goldust would go against Bigelow after Bigelow challenged him to a match any time, any place. They decided to put it at, uh, in your house. And, uh, Jimmy Hartman against the Renegade, of course, uh, no, not Jimmy Hart, Kevin Sullivan. And I actually was, actually, that is about the only thing I actually could remember, because I remember thinking how, actually I had a different memory. I thought when he threw the water in Renegade's face, that the pain came off. So, that this does make more sense that he threw the water in his face and he wiped off the paint with his towel. After that, because the whole purpose of the Renegade character was to... was to be like the Ultimate Warrior, after... To throwing the water in his face and painting him up, they just decided they didn't know what else to do with them. So it was a mistake on their part to take the face paint off of him. It was a bigger mistake to not think of repackaging him. That was the biggest mistake they made. Okay, they showed before the second match, they showed how. Hogan and Savage were in Venice Beach, California, and they were wearing black clothes. And this was like, um, second. I don't know why, but Hogan didn't. He either he shaved off his mustache, or he didn't regrow it yet. So, we're talking about being on the dark side. You understood why. Because of what happened with Kevin Sullivan. Rick Flair said to staying in the there are two rooms where the us uh, the where the superstars were. By the way, <clears throat> while the second match happened. Henry Godwin beat Terry Richards, a.k.a. Um, Rhino. And Triple H knocked him out from the back and threw his own bucket of slop on him just to embarrass him. 
then they were doing the more Karate Fighters commercials, or they were doing some more commercials for uh, Survivor Series. They had announced how The Undertaker had his own team, and Yokozuna had his own team, and it was both elimination matches that were perfect. You may not um, know um oh I see now nobody on the Undertaker's team was feuding with Jerry Lawler that I know of but um Henry Godwin was feuding with Triple H he put Triple H on Hunter Selmsley on uh King Mabel's um side and they put um, Jerry Lawler and Isaac Yankum on Mabel's side. So I really don't know why they put Vega and Sabio Vega and Fatu on Undertaker's team, but it was still great, so great to see them in those days because of how they had so much talent and. Two out of those four, two men, two out of um, those four, you just wanted to see because they were brand new. So it was really a fun time to watch in those days. Okay. And the next match is Kama against. Um, Tony, I can't really say, I can't really see what his name is, I'd have to, Tony Roy, okay, be Tony Roy with a simple right hand. And, uh, I, don't, I think they only had three matches. No, they did have four. Good. Eddie Guerrero. Um, I think he might have just jumped off over the top rope on the apron and hit, um, Chris Benoit with crossbody press. And the referee didn't see Chris Benoit's legs. So, um, so when he counted three, Chris Benoit's leg, by the way, he went into a crossbody, was, actually he was countering a, uh, belly to back suplex, when he went, when he went, uh, when he turned in midair to reverse it. Chris landed and his right foot was under the rope. So one, two, three. Both feet were under the rope, but the referee couldn't see it. The referee had to explain to him, my decision is final. I didn't see the uh, foot under the rope. So it has to stand. So they show... <clears throat> staying in the back with Tony Schiavone, asking the fans to vote for him. And in that locker room, you had Alex Wright, new TV champion, uh, <clears throat> Johnny B. Bad, the Nasty Boys, Mr. JL, and Yvette Sullivan, and Hein Sting, Jim, uh, Jim Duggan. He said to Sting, you told, you said, come and do something about it? Well, I'm going to. That was the main event, and it was the next match. Thing one with the Scorpion Deathlock. But I'm, but I'm uh, still amazed at how all those men, including Jim Duggan, couldn't keep him off of Ric Flair. As a matter of fact, they got him off of Ric Flair, and then he went back and uh, snapped it on him. It snapped the 
are slapped the uh, Scorpion Deathlock on him again. And it was actually Luger that got him off the second time, and Jim Duggan put his hands up like, what did he say that we could what did he say to get you to stop that we couldn't say? So it's really interesting stuff. What I actually think was a stupid booking decision in the main event. The only thing that the referee saw was uh, Barry Horowitz, who was, by the way, not part of the match, take a, still, take a chair from, from Jerry Lawler and almost hit him with it. You didn't even see him use it, but he disqualified them. That was a really, a really bad booking decision. Not as bad as when John Cena beat CM Punk with uh, with the German suplex, and they said that it that John Cena can't win the title because his shoulders were on the mat, and his shoulders were clearly up. So that it's not as bad as that, but it's still pretty bad. So Lawler and Isaac Yang come win. They do a Russell uh, Worldwide, I think they call it a World Tour de Force. Um, that's they were showing uh, promotions for that, and then they said it was gonna stop November nineteenth at the Survivor Series. And. Uh, that everything that's going to happen next week on Raw. Hmm. Said that next week be a face-to-face -face meeting between Diesel and Brad Hart and also Ahmed Johnson's debut. And then they said in 30 seconds they'd be back to show a preview of next week's Raw. They just asked what would happen when Hunter Helmsley goes against um, Henry Godwin. And then they show a clip from the Intercontinental title main event between Psycho Sid and the... Razor Ramon with one two three kid as the special guest referee, and it really looked like it really looked like Psycho Sid was gonna win, so it's really gonna be interesting. After talk about SmackDown Live, I'm gonna watch those two episodes and talk about them here. So don't so don't forget to listen to uh, forget to tune in. To the next episode. By the way, to close out Nitro, they not only had Jimmy Horan explain that he had power of attorney to take care of Hogan's contractual obligations, but he said that he put he put a clause or a stipulation in the contract that said that Hogan would lose the title by disqualification. And he, Gene Oakland, knew something about that, so he had WCW's championship committee member who was a lawyer step in, and he said that because it was Jimmy Hart that caused the disqualification and not Hogan himself, that's why the title was being held up. It was a great way to build suspense for the next show. So, that's going to be my next episode. It's going to be talking about, um, Connor, it's going to be talking about SmackDown Live from last night, and talking about Raw versus Nitro. By the way, I forgot to mention who won the ratings.
<clears throat> November 6th. October 30th. Rob Nitro. I'm sorry. It's November 6th. Rob actually beat Nitro 2.6 to 2 even. So. That is actually a surprise. Right there. any of this. Well, I know I said it's November 13th. So, 13th, the 20th, and then talk about the next pay-per-view. So, I'll be talking about that, and then the pay-per-view after it. But first, talk about the uh, latest SmackDown Live uh, episode. Thank you, and goodbye. The podcast you just heard was made using Anchor. Ever thought about making your own podcast? Anchor makes it really easy for anyone to get started. It's a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing podcasts. Best of all, it's 100% free. Sign up now at anchor.fm slash new. That's anchor.fm slash new to get started.